Hey, my name is Chuck. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for lust, pride, and this week, for obvious reasons, wanting to be in control more than I can be. See you guys. So a couple of weeks ago, John introduced our latest series that we are calling New. And he reminded us that Christ didn't come into the world to make us better. He came into the world to make us new. In Christ, we are born again. We have a new identity. As a matter of fact, we're a new creation. And so tonight, I have the privilege of exploring the new power that comes to every believer through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But I do find it somewhat ironic that I'm talking about new power at a time where I have never been more dependent and powerless than ever before. On second thought, I probably shouldn't be surprised about that at all, right? It's the way that the Spirit sometimes moves. So on December 21st, I had ankle replacement surgery. Now, for someone who's incredibly independent, totally active, this has been a bit of an adjustment. So my wife has had to help me do everything. I can't carry my own weight. Now, I've got this little incredible turbo scooter that kind of gets me around and helps me get to the places I need to get to, but I have had to learn what it means to be dependent and in that surrender, allow myself to be helped, guided, and encouraged. And that's not been easy. As a matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, trying to get in, trying to do some things, I just had an absolute complete meltdown that I had to have help doing everything. But what's been true for me physically over the last few weeks when it comes to surrendering my life to the care and the control of Christ as he infuses me with new power through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life, I find it ironic that I am in this juxtaposition that isn't all that easy. Listen to the words of Jesus as he describes the coming of the Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, and this helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. We have this helper, and this helper both dwells in us and dwells with us, and he comes with power, and he comes to empower us. But what does all that mean? I think it might be important to understand definitions like power. So power is defined in two ways. Number one, the ability to act effectively. And number two, the capacity to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. That is really a great definition of exactly what the Holy Spirit does because the Holy Spirit is literally the infusion of the power of God that is infinite and unlimited and eternal. And in that way, the power of the Holy Spirit is different than any other kind of power. We see the Holy Spirit making his first appearance in the opening verses of Scripture. In fact, you see the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all present in the creation account. God the Father calls all things into being. God the Son, as John puts it, the powerful word through whom the Father creates. And finally, the Spirit of God who hovers over the formless world and he is there poised 
for the powerful work of creating. We see the Spirit's creative power in creating new life in believers, producing those that are spiritually alive out of those who at one time were dead in their sin. There is a passage of scripture out of Titus 3 that is really core to the whole regeneration ministry. These words, he saved us, not because of works done by righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, I would say to this very day, the salvation of souls is a supernatural work that is made possible only by the Holy Spirit's power as he literally turns men from darkness to light. We see the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled the disciples of Christ to turn the world upside down by the powerful preaching of the gospel. They couldn't have accomplished this in their own power, but Jesus promised the Spirit would come, live within, and empower them in this miraculous way. The words of Jesus in Acts 1 made this promise to them. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. The apostle Paul understood this as well, and he gives all the credit and the glory to the Spirit whose power enabled his message to pierce the heart of sinful men and bring them to salvation. He understood, this is not my persuasive ability. This is a power that is beyond me. Look at what he says to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2. He says, my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith may not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Aren't we grateful for that? The Holy Spirit is still at work in the world today accomplishing God's will through believers. And his power leads us, convicts us, teaches us, equips us to do the work of ministry and to spread the gospel. And that power also reaches out to unbelievers and they're not able to resist God's plan and purposes. So here's my question. How does this new power that the spirit of God produces show up in your life? How does this new power of God show up in my life. Here's the first thing I think that happens. He convicts. Look at these words from Jesus. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. I want you to hear this. Conviction is the kindness of God. In kindness, he reveals to us things in our life that literally need to be changed. This isn't an all-at-once process. It is literally an overtime process. And over time, here's what happens. Sin becomes distasteful. Eternity feels incredibly close. And above all, Jesus is beautiful. But there's a second thing the Spirit does. The Spirit creates all. 
The Holy Spirit creates a sense of awe and fear and worship before God. And so a lot of times before the Spirit's involved, we understand there is doctrine and study and all of those things that are there. But when the Spirit is present, he takes those things and that knowledge becomes swallowed up in this sense of his presence. Haven't you experienced it before? As you worship at times, as the Spirit moves, you are captivated by the beauty of the presence of Christ. And it leads to this third idea. The Spirit transforms appetites. I want you to hear these words from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter two. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. You can't just change your appetites because you want to. Your taste buds have to change. And so when God begins to change our appetites, begins to change our taste bud, you freely choose those things you may have previously hated. And that's what the Spirit of God does for people. He births in them this desire for God when before they had no desire at all. There are those when they talk about Christianity, they go, well, Christianity is a have-to religion. I would sit there and say, if that's what you believe, you've never really encountered the Spirit of God because the Spirit just doesn't compel you to do what is right. He gives you a love for what is right. So you begin to want that and do that naturally. He literally changes the want to of your life. Oh, this new power is something that is incredible and different. And I would argue with all of us, we have seen this new power at work over the last couple of weeks. On January 2nd, I was sitting home watching Monday Night Football. When on a routine play, DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest. No one knew that it happened. They just knew he was in trouble. Both the teams, the Buffalo Bills, the Cincinnati Bengals, knelt in prayer. Commentators on ESPN were carrying the game and they were all calling for prayer for this young man who minutes before nobody really even knew who he was and they certainly didn't know his name. All throughout that night, they were talking about this moment. The next day, every show that ESPN had on had comments about what, what had happened and how people had responded on one of their signature programs. NFL Live, Dan Orlovsky, who is a former NFL quarterback as well as one of their lead commentators, he's discussing these events when he said these words, this is a little bit different. I've heard all day about thoughts and prayers. The Bills organization has said, we believe in prayer and maybe this isn't the right thing to do, but it's on my heart. I wanna pray for DeMar Hamlin right now and I'm gonna do it out loud. And Marcus Spears, who was one of the panelists on that show said, do that. And Dan Orlovsky said, I'm gonna close my eyes and I'm gonna pray for him. And he did. National television audience, a network not necessarily known for their stance on faith. Orlovsky, you find out when you kind of dig in, 
is very public about his faith. Whether it's on social media or in a studio, he wears a bracelet on his right wrist that references Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, a verse that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And this is what he said. He said, I want people to completely understand that I am a walking representation of transformation. Orlovsky went on to say, I'm a walking representation of what it means to be broken. I am a walking representation of having on a day-to-day relationship with God, a relationship that lifts me up, on a day-by-day relationship that convicts my heart, on a day-by-day a relationship that challenges me to think about things and people and not myself. And he closed that by saying, I'm not naturally like that. Neither am I, and neither are you. In Galatians 5, Paul describes what Orlovsky's talking about. He says in verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. He says in verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's a daily battle and an overtime moment that brings freedom from the flesh and creates the fruit of the Spirit. See, I would argue with you Dan Orlovsky has a new power, a new power. He has no idea how his network is going to react when he decides to pray on air in that moment. It's a power that convicts and emboldens and creates awe and transforms appetites where you will do the right thing even if the world says it's wrong. It is a new power of the Spirit of God who's given to all who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And just like my trusty little scooter, it carries the weight and gets you to where you need to be as the Spirit convicts, creates a sense of awe, and changes your appetite. So now we get to hear the story of one that the Spirit has done that for. Will you welcome my friend, Haley? 